We've been listening to a lot of Christmas music around here. Great. We've been doing a lot of Christmas events at church. We're doing nothing. We're not celebrating this year. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about Christmas and a little bit about a Christian perspective and just kind of see where the conversation goes. Similar to our Halloween episode at the church, we put out like a guide for parents for Christmas time. We're just calling it Parenting Through Christmas. So we'll go through some of that, um, but I think we can also just use this as a kind of a platform for us to talk about a few different subjects that may come up as well. Yeah, that sounds good. Have you released that to the congregation yet? Yes, we uh, gave it out like a week and a half ago or two weeks ago or something like that. Cool. And um, the uh, children's director at Harvest, she and I kind of collaborate on it. So she sent me like several articles that Mm. she felt like were really good. And then I read through those and then I typed up the actual guide and then just gave it over to her to see if she had any suggestions to change it. And she didn't Mm -hmm. because it was perfect. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then uh then we print it out and she hands it out to the kids and their parents as they pick them up from from class Uh, well on that note did she have suggestions for the halloween one uh was that also perfect oh there were a few things i think uh, as far as wording or things that could be like combined that she Mm -hmm. had like Mm -hmm. suggestions on like i think this could fit under here better and it wouldn't be like its own point or whatever (laughs) and so Hmm. um with both of them, I'm making the main draft and then um, mm-hmm. kind of collaborating with her for the final. Okay. That's cool. I was just asking because, not to bury the lead here, but I would assume that it's much easier to know how to deal with Christmas as Christians than Halloween. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. And I had, I, I was definitely a lot, um, like she was the one who said, hey, we need to do that guide for Christmas. And mm-hmm. I was just saying, I was very passionate about putting together the one for Halloween and felt like it was something okay. really necessary. And then uh, this one, she was like kind of reminding me and I was like, okay, yeah, like, let me think about what I would want to include. Mm-hmm. And, um, but once we kind of got it going, I really, I really felt good about it. Yeah, All that's right. cool. All right. So first, um, I do periodically have people ask me about like, are, does Christmas have pagan roots and why do we celebrate on the 25th? Isn't that because it's a pagan holiday? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had a student ask me about that on Wednesday and was like, really like, kind of concerned like somebody was telling me about this like what do you if somebody asks you that what do you guys what do you guys say to that hmm. i feel like this is another one of those things that we're all gonna kind of be on the same page about that's okay which is that um <laughs> why is that a bad thing that the timing selected happens to correspond with what was once a pagan day and we've redeemed it into something non-pagan good yeah and then the thing that I think about from... That's all I would say. That's the only <laughs> thing I would say. So if Paul has something else, then I guess we're not quite on the same page. <laughs> and if they wanted more, they're not getting any more. <laughs> if they asked me more, I'd be like, what more do you need to know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I wouldn't say anything else, but what I would be thinking is that um, (laughs) Epiphanies was the Christian holiday. uh, I think it was December 5th. Is that right? The traditional? January or did they switch it? Actually, um, that makes sense because... um, Paul, do you still listen to 99PI? 
No. I don't either, but I just the other day <laughs> randomly did. And it was about how Slovenia has three different like Santa Claus figures and they come from like the old Orthodox I think this is right. The Orthodox Christianity or else Catholic. And then the Slovenia thing, probably that probably would be Orthodox. It may Slovenia. Catholic, maybe Orthodox. But then the second one they have is from the Soviets when they were under Yugoslavia and like a communist country. Hmm. And then thirdly, they also have Santa Claus. And one of them, uh, I believe it's like the indigenous one. Or no, no, it's the Catholic one starts on December 5th. Or Orthodox, whichever. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I just looked it up. Apparently, Epiphany is, is a Christian festival held on January 6th in honor of yeah. the coming of the three kings to the infant Jesus Christ. Well, that's why the uh, this the Christian season of Christmas is te- like uh, officially December twenty fifth through January sixth. Mm. So it starts on the on Christmas Day, and you have twelve days of Christmas until Epiphany, which honors the wise men coming. And Christmas Day was selected because it's the darkest day of the year, right? Isn't it the solstice? No, not quite, but it's like right around there. The solstice is usually like a day or two before, I think. Um, but yeah, that's one of the main reasons it was chosen is because of the time of the year. Um, and there is some evidence that there may be either the birth of Christ or the coming of the wise men on that day, but that's not confirmed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what um, was the question? <laughs> what do you, how do you respond when people are like, what about all the pagan stuff in Christmas and wasn't well, uh-huh. a pagan holiday? So, right, right. Um, well, Daniel already had everything there was to say. No, uh, I was just looking this up. So, yeah, the Slovenians say that St. Nicholas comes on December 5th. So, I don't know. It must not line up with anybody else, but that's what they do. So, anyway, hmm. forget it. Yep. Yeah, I was just telling somebody, like, the reason there's a lot of pagan holidays this time of the year is because of the solstice. Because, like, paganism is very, like, connected to nature and, like, wanting mm. to worship, like, the sun and spirits mm. of the seasons and stuff like that so in paganism right. the main holidays are going to be nature like having to do nature with the solstices things. and the equinoxes and stuff like that and so i'm like well just right. because they worship be like because of the solstice doesn't mean that we can't also have a celebration at the dark time of the year to represent the coming of christ so well and also i think in some ways the same motivation behind spiritualizing those times can be applied to Christianity in the sense of the representation of light coming to darkness and those things like that, that mm-hmm. as the pagan impulse was to worship the nature itself, our impulse can be to worship the creator and what he's saying through his creation. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. So you're saying there's like, there's actually something meaningful to the, like the ordering of the world and the stars and everything that maybe we shouldn't just dismiss because that's their focus, right? Yeah, I think mm. I think that we can observe and appreciate the patterns of God's world without it being idolatrous. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that that's a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Mm. I think that that can apply to the Christmas holiday as well in that so many people feel like caught up in the celebration and beauty of Christmas, mm-hmm. but then there's that like is it going to become about the just the kind of secular holiday or are you actually going to participate in the true meaning mm-hmm. um so yeah. i think that even goes into more like modern practices with christmas i think that's an interesting thing and i will probably get into this but i think that's an interesting aspect of really all worshipful or christian observances is being sure that we retain 
the focus on on what the purpose is and it being mm. glorifying God and not just glorifying the trappings and the mm-hmm. surrounding stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Well, with that, let me hit my first. Uh, um, I've got this separated into like major bullet points, my parenting through Christmas uh, handout. So our first major point is Christmas is our holiday. Okay, so then I have we should celebrate. Even though there may be some people who say it's pagan, you shouldn't, or whatever, I think you should. And so I, I had, um, if anyone has reason to celebrate, it's Christians. Continue mm-hmm. to remind your children that the reason we celebrate is because Jesus has come so that we can know God and have eternal life with him. Mm-hmm. The world doesn't know Christ, so in their Christmas celebration, there's an emptiness because the true beauty and joy is missing. So um, that kind of goes along with some of what we're saying, but just encouraging people like, own the holiday. Make this yeah. our holiday, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. One thing that I love about Christmas, and I mean, is that general atmosphere in that sense that people will comment upon sometimes that there's just something in the air. There's like a magic about Christmas. Mm-hmm. And even though the world really does try to come up with other types of explanations or just say, you know, it's about caring for one another, peace and love and common and for your fellow man and all that, which, you know, is, is true. But mm. the real reason that that happens and like, why does this happen only at this kind of season is because I think there is a spiritual objective reality behind it. Yeah. I think that's a great, great point. Well said. Um, I don't know. I, I, we sometimes could talk about some of our memories for Christmas growing up and, and stuff. Um, I don't have that anywhere yeah. in my outline, obviously. Actually, we led with that on the Halloween thing. Maybe we should go ahead and do that and then kind of come back to the. Paul, you have any thoughts? What do you think, Paul? <laughs> no, I'm not frozen. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually like thinking about how I, how I can transition this to some of our personal stories. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> so that's funny. <laughs> There's that magic that the world like tries to explain away. Just like when I was young. (laughs) (laughs) So before we go through the like handout from church, um, I wanted us to just have an opportunity to share a little bit about our Christmases growing up. Any specific memories that stand out for you guys uh, with our Christmas Christmas times? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think those will come up naturally as we go through the handout. So let's just go ahead with the handout. Uh, Joel, I think we can handle this a little more organically. You don't have to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, and so okay. it's um, funny. We we were having a Christmas party with our small group this past Thursday, and one of the guys just was asking everybody like, "What's one of the greatest gifts? What's one, your you know best gift you ever received on a Christmas?" Kind of a classic question, and. Uh, one of the other guys in our group started his. He was like, oh, well, when I was younger, it was Christmas Day, and my dad organized this whole scavenger hunt for me and my two brothers, and it ended with us uh, finding a trampoline. And that was the best Christmas ever, and we played on that for years and years. And I look at Riley, <laughs> like, you know, wide-eyed. And uh, so, so then he gets to me. He's like, what about you, Paul? And I was like, well, 
when I was growing up, like my dad organized a scavenger hunt with me and my two brothers, and they're like, oh, okay. And uh, and we did it, and then it ended us finding a trampoline. And they're like, oh, okay, very funny, very funny. Okay, what was actually yours? I'm like, no, I'm completely serious. Like me and Drew have the exact same thing happen. So that, that was crazy. crazy. Yeah. So he had no idea, I guess. He, he even wasn't sure if I was being serious. He's like, aren't you just caught? Really? Like, that actually happened to you too, and you have two brothers? Wow. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So, yeah, that's uh, famously one of our Sigler brothers' best Christmas is the year we got a trampoline. Yeah, I feel like uh, most people who had a trampoline as a kid, that's probably their favorite thing they had as a kid. <laughs> Although I will say for me, uh, another very memorable one was the Game Boy. Mm. That was like a big thing for me because that was something that like, I really wanted for a long time. That was memorable for me too, and I'm not even the one that got the gift. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa, it Daniel like, got a Game Boy. <laughs> I mean, I think you guys enjoyed it too. Oh, yeah. It was so surprising that they actually gave you one. Yeah, yeah. We, we did not have video games growing up, really. So to get a, yeah. a, a Game Boy was kind of the first video game that we had in our in our household. So it was a big deal. Yeah, mom was very anti-screens and remains so, I guess. A little less so. Another one, kind of strangely, I don't know this. I don't know why this sticks in my head so much, but our last Christmas in Kentucky before we moved to Alabama, hmm. it was at the point where they had already told us we were going to be moving. So we knew we would be leaving Kentucky and going down to Alabama. But at that Christmas, for some reason, they gave us some like simple plastic sleds for sledding. Hmm. And I remember I was seven, I think. And I remember even at that time thinking, why are they giving this to us now? Like we're going (laughs) to leave. (laughs) This is our last winter here. We're going to Alabama. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to no snow place. (laughs) Yeah, I guess their mindset was like, this is their last winter, so they need to be able to really enjoy it. I don't know, but that's that that just stands out to me. Something they were green. They were just green circles, like basically the the lid of that turtle shell sandbox. I was exactly gonna say that. I was gonna say it's like that <laughs> turtle shell lid. <laughs> yeah, they're those just simple little discs for sliding on the snow on. But I remember even at seven thinking it was weird that they were giving us that. <laughs> we'll have to we ask. About to move I wonder away. if they... this is not a good investment, mom and dad. Maybe they <laughs> maybe they sold it for a profit later. <laughs> We'll have to ask. I think we, there were multiple times we had little like scavenger hunts uh, at Christmas mm. for different things. That's always a fun thing to do. Um, we would when we come down on Christmas morning, all the gifts are unwrapped, basically. Yeah, rather than unwrapped, I might say they were just not wrapped. Well, I guess that's the same thing. But it's not like we walked down and there was a bunch of wrapping paper on the floor around all our <laughs> There was no wrapping paper. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, mom and dad would save us that stuff. They unwrap all the presents before we come in. <laughs> they just loved doing that. <laughs> that was their Christmas. <laughs> Getting to unwrap our stuff. <laughs> well, we would have wrapped presents under the tree from church members or friends or you know extended family. Yeah, from each other. And then all the stuff from quote, quote, Santa Claus was unwrapped on Christmas morning when we came down. So yeah. that's how it worked in our house. Yep. 
a lot of my friends think it's really funny that we would get like cereal for Christmas. Oh. <laughs> that was a standard. We'd each get like a sweet cereal because we didn't have a lot of sweet cereal in the house. Oreo. I feel like that one, at least in my experience, that They're one's back. Kind of come full circle to where it was like kind of strange and embarrassing that we only would get sugary cereals for Christmas. And now it's come back <laughs> around to like, oh, cool. You guys were healthy. <laughs> That's uh, so true. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Other thing I remember a lot on Christmas Day was we were really into action figures growing up, mm. and oh, always yeah. always would get action figures for Christmas. Yep. And so most years we would start in like an action figure game like a week or so before Christmas, mm-hmm. in order to like prepare for the like new arrivals yes, at Christmas. The new and arrivals. So then we would yes. So then we would send some of our action figures like downstairs <laughs> from our bedroom on this long journey down to the Christmas tree and, and they would like hide out around the Christmas tree. And, <laughs> yeah, and it was the, the opposite of uh, Toy Story where the toys are all afraid of the new arrivals. Right. Our, our toys yeah. were expectant and excited about who was going to join the party. Yeah. I wonder how many other people had those like multi-day games going on where you would have to leave everything paused when you went to sleep and went off to school or wherever you went and is that a i wonder if thing? that's is that yeah is that what most people do or would most people just play and then put it have to put it in the box again and, and it's over hmm. then um getting together with like sigler family is a big memory of yeah uh, christmas time growing up where we mm. would usually get together with our sigler family and do uh, sword fights at my grandma's house. Grandma's house. Here in Dothan. Mm-hmm. And those are really good, really good memories. Something I looked forward to during Christmas. Yeah. And actually, yeah. we would be kind of, sometimes we would be like our action figures in that regard because we would start a sword battle with the like, oh, the reinforcements is yeah. going to arrive. And so as the different cousins came, they would join the fight. That's fun. Yeah, that was a fun thing about being the already there people. Yeah, yeah. And then there was one great year after we got a little bit older where we pretended that we had given up sword fighting. One of our cousins got there and was so just like depressed when we told him that we were like done sword fighting because we'd grown out of it. We were into football now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like grandma had a football in the storage shed with all the swords that we never, that we never touched. Never touched. Yeah. <laughs> Good southern boys. Yep. Was it the trampoline year that we uh, had all went to grandma's house christmas eve night and watched it's a wonderful life that's right i remember oh, not oh, being really? pleased about not that, that christmas eve uh, night yeah. activity because mom and dad had to get us out of the house so that they could have people from the church over to help them put up the trampoline mm-hmm. and so we were all sent over to grandma and grandpa's house to watch a movie and we'd never seen it's a wonderful life and yeah, we did not like it you have to watch it yeah we did not like it mm-hmm. we thought it was so boring i think it wasn't just that it was boring it was also like Everything's sad and crying and yelling and what are we going to do and that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's stressful, you know. I finally rewatched it last year and it's definitely better than I always thought, but it, that aspect of it still does grate me. Mm. Grate me, grate my nerves, grate on me. How do you say that? It's not great to you. It's, yeah, it's, it's ungrate. <laughs> it makes me an ingrate. I, <laughs> I find that grating. There we go. <laughs> well, and wouldn't you? But it's a good movie in other regards. But that part of it is very annoying. It's like, uh, do we have to listen to people cry and moan? Well, and we didn't even talk about the, you know, going to pick out a tree and chop down a tree and dragging it back through the snow. 
<laughs> smell of pine needles Do you in remember the house. There was one time where our next door neighbors somehow convinced us to go with them to go cut a tree instead of just like buying one like we usually did. Oh. And this was, I think it was the first or maybe second Christmas after we moved to Alabama. And our next door neighbors were into chopping down a tree. But the place they wanted to take us, or I guess the place they knew, was in Florida. Whoa. So it was like, you know, okay, yeah, let's go pick up a tree. You know, in the past, this has been a nice little evening. And now it's like this whole big time investment and long thing going out there. And there's nothing better about it. You know, <laughs> maybe if it had been snowy and like a winter wonderland, it would have been cool to go and like, did you go? I didn't go to that. Frolic in the snow of the trees. I don't know. I was there, but oh. it, it definitely was like a heck of a lot longer than I expected. <laughs> the only time I remember doing that is with the advances at church going out and mm-hmm. getting a tree for their I house. That too. Yeah. But we used to have a live tree when we were young. We would just go to Lowe's and pick one out, though. But I thought that was amazing. I have no memory of that. Oh. I remember thinking that was really fun because we would crawl behind all the Christmas trees. Yeah, the trees would be, like, stacked leaning. towards each other. Like, le- kind of leaning against each other, so it would make all these fur tunnels, basically. That was the best part. Hmm. Then we found a uh, fake tree. At that was our, the only uh, good yeah. part, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else that you cared about as a kid. Then we found like a, one of the fake trees at like a yard sale, and we were like, "Mom and Dad, they've got a tree over here, and it's like forty bucks or whatever, and uh, that'll save us so much money. Like we can just reuse it every year." And my mom and dad, especially, been like, "Are you sure? Like we're not gonna be able to go pick one out and have a real tree anymore?" <laughs> Wait, you're like, the one that suggested that? I think it was me and you, Paul. <laughs> what? Maybe, maybe it was just me. You know, gotta be frugal. <laughs> it's the wise decision. Oh my gosh. Yeah, wow. that's how old so would you family have been tradition change because you were wanting to save money yeah i have a, a somewhat vague memory of putting my vote behind the artificial tree side of things because mm. of just the convenience and i didn't really think there's much gain from having the tree it drops the needles everywhere you have to water it it's pokey it's, i don't know sappy it was, i just i didn't really see the appeal that much of it it was something that we always did but I, I remember at least voicing my opinion that an artificial tree would be better. Yeah, hmm. saves you money. We're going to make people mad with that one. That's a contentious yeah. issue. I've thought about getting a real tree some year in the future. Just, I don't know, to see what it's like. To It does, you have the smell, I suppose. Yeah. And I think uh, it's a little bit more yeah. novel these days because I you don't know anybody who uses a real tree anymore. Hmm. My in-laws always get a real tree. Okay. It's one of those things that you that most people have strong opinions about. Yes. But, man, it is a lot of trouble to have a real tree. One other one that really sticks in my mind is the first time Daniel was not going to be coming back for Christmas. I think you, were in, you would have been in Japan the first time. Yeah. And that was very strange being the first year that it wasn't going to be all five of us home for Christmas morning. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. As you see things like change, those kind of things change as you like get married or start having kids. Mm-hmm. The way it changes like Christmas dynamic so much. I think it's even even a big it's been a bigger thing for us too, in that I guess all our growing up years, both of our parents never missed visiting their parents for Christmas at least once, you know, kind of at least somewhere around the season. As far as I can remember, we always pretty much saw both the grandparents. Yeah, that's true. Living here helped that, obviously, because we didn't have to travel to go see uh, the Sigler grandparents. 
even before going from Kentucky, oh, yeah. it's the same direction. You know, you can pass right. through. Yep. Cool. Good stuff. Christmas is great. All right. Well, I remember that, going caroling once or twice with church people. Yeah, we went which caroling. Is very strange. Like, have you ever? If you've ever been on the other side where people caroled at you, it's it's kind of a, like it's very pleasant, but then it's kind of like, what do I do? I just stand here and listen. Like, I wasn't expecting anyone. I didn't prepare, like, treats to give them, which maybe that's what we should do is just, like, maybe people should get back into the practice of just having treats that they're ready to give out in case anyone drops by. And then if you get carolers, you can be like, oh, I have stuff. You're supposed to have figgy pudding. <laughs> yeah. Just on true. hand I all don't. the time. I think we're all out. <laughs> oh, shoot. The world is all out, I think, at this point. <laughs> Your Mongolian neighbor carolers are not going to be pleased. Yeah, well, maybe I can tell them some scary ghost stories of Christmases long, long ago. <laughs> we went caroling last week with the youth uh, to some nursing homes, and that's the first time we've done that as like an official youth event, and it was great. The students had a really fun time, and I think the uh, people at the nursing home like really loved it, so that was a really good experience. Yeah. That's I think anything you it. can, any event you can put on at a nursing home is a great thing. Yeah. So that was fun. All right. Well, I do. We I am. To, oh, never mind. What is Christmas like in Mongolia? Uh, hmm. Well, I guess I'll find out soon. So far, there's not a lot to it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, does the average person celebrate or do anything? Or um, There definitely are decorations around and Christmas trees up and stuff. Okay. Surely there's some Russian but influence I, with that, right? Christmas is big for them. Winter is otherwise kind of bleak, so it's nice mm. to have something. I, mm -hmm. From what mm. I hear, it's not a work holiday. Wow. You know, interestingly, in the States, yeah. it's, I think, increased as a work holiday thanks to COVID. One of the, one of the few benefits of COVID, I think, is a lot of businesses are more... Uh, okay closing at certain times or like a lot fewer businesses are open 24 7 and i've noticed Realizing a lot more that you don't have to just be always at it yeah i think so and so hmm. there's a, it seems like there's a lot more businesses that are closed on christmas this year at least from what i can tell That's here cool. i guess the bigger holiday comes a few weeks after which is where they have sagantar which means white moon which hmm. is basically their like lunar new year and that's like the big holiday where everyone goes back to their parents and does stuff for two weeks so that is a winter holiday too okay and in japan it was like that too where uh new year's was a lot bigger than christmas right yeah but it was our new it was the same new year that everybody has right i would say the decorations and observance of christmas was bigger in japan from what i can tell than here um but they just i mean they kind of got it all wrong like christmas eve or christmas was seen as like a date night and hmm. there's the whole kfc thing and i don't know it was just like <laughs> it was nice that they had observing it and they put up lights and that's really pretty you know they do a lot of christmas time light stuff but some of the more meaningful aspects i think were lost hmm. All right, so we I hit number one, which is this is still under the like Christmas is our holiday bullet, and uh, the next one is teach the why behind the traditions. Mm. Okay, teach the why behind the traditions. So any uh, any of those that stand out to you guys that you think are important to be keeping in front of us. I mean, that's another just great church going family principle that mm -hmm. just because you have heard and learned and take it for granted the reasons behind these things doesn't mean that 
other people are going to understand it. And it's really important that people know the purpose and not just that it's the way it's done. Mm -hmm. So that's why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Repetition is important. It's something I'm valuing more and more the older I get. I feel like as a kid, sometimes you tease your adults like, oh, they always say that thing or grandpa is always going to do this. You know, he does that every year. Mm -hmm. But the older you get, the more that's the thing you remember. Like, oh, I'm so... uh, thankful that my grandpa always emphasized this each year yeah so yeah i feel like there's a lot of value in repetition when it comes to traditions as well Uh, this is also just an opportunity for us to point out some of the things that people don't know so Mm -hmm. i had just some of the different things that we do and uh why we do them listed so i I, it just says um take advantage of all the opportunities to teach your children about jesus Nativity scenes are everywhere, which depict Jesus's birth story. Um, We use lights and candles because Jesus is the light of the world. We Mm -hmm. use evergreen because of the eternal life found in Jesus. We give gifts because the gifts the Magi brought to Jesus and because Jesus is God's gift to us. Mm -hmm. Stars and angels announce the birth of Jesus. Holly leaves with red berries remind us of the crown of thorns and blood of Christ. The reason he came was to die. So those are the ones I listed. Hmm. I remember that about the holly holly one. That's cool. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. I mean, what great reminders to continually be bringing your focus back to Christ. Because those things are everywhere, you know? And um, again, people like to say, oh, Christmas trees for pagan or whatever. And it's like, well, let's tell our children that like we use evergreen because of Jesus's everlasting life. Like that's one of the reasons the Christians wanted to use those. Mm. Some people say the first person to bring one in was Martin Luther. And some people say it's, you know, has some sort of pagan roots. And I don't care because (laughs) it can be used like redemptively. And has that like positive meaning, which is why the church is held on to it. What about hanging stockings on the mantle? Uh, actually, I almost included that. That uh, oh, good. I, w- I was just wondering if there's any reason behind that. The uh, it's probably. I mean, the legend is that Saint Nicholas mm-hmm. um, threw some coins, or like, yeah, threw some coins into oh, okay. into a home where there was these like very poor yeah. daughters that were probably going to be like destitute because mm-hmm. they had no dowry to get married. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so St. Nicholas right. one night like threw coins in or like a lump of coins or something and it landed in the stocking that was hung to dry at the mantle. Oh, it landed. Okay, okay. So that's the legend at least. Mm-hmm. I rem- I was aware of all of that story except the socks part. Uh-huh. Stocking. I thought you were going to yeah. say he threw it down the chimney and then I was like, wait a second, how did it get into the stockings? <laughs> no, in the, he just like threw it in the window and it landed in the stocking. They were was... so they were so poor they had to burn their socks. <laughs> and then he threw the money down the chimney. Yeah. <laughs> so my younger sibling-in-laws, you know, are still, they're basically fluent, but they're still learning some aspects of English. And um, one of them was talking about supply chain issues and the borders being closed and stuff and he Mm. and he told me that because of that the stores they went we went to the store and they don't even have christmas socks (laughs) and i was like what like why do you is that like something you buy every year like why do you have to have christmas socks that's so weird i was thinking you know just socks that you wear that say like ho 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 or christmas Uh trees or something and then i realized he was trying to say stock you know he meant stockings Uh but he didn't know that word and i you know stockings are socks like it's not exactly like On the face of it, there's nothing more normal about calling it a stocking, but that's just what we say, and we definitely don't say they're Christmas socks. <laughs> yeah, I don't think of them as socks. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, I do remember one of the two of you putting them on, so it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I like to do that. Yeah. I thought... <laughs> um, the other, other things I have under this bullet of Christmas is our holiday is 
to read the Christmas story, mm-hmm. which is found in Luke and Matthew, and then to pray together as a family on Christmas. Luke and Matthew. So which one do you read? I had, I just said it is found in Luke 1, <laughs> 26 to 240 and Matthew 1, 18 to 2, 3. Uh, I feel like Luke is the traditional one. Probably more so. It's, it has the shepherds and the the uh, peanuts, you know, recitation from the peanuts uh, Christmas. Right. Is Luke um, the one where it starts with Quirinius? Cor- yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, I would say do one of them on uh, Christmas Eve and then do the other one Christmas Day because they're different. I mean, the Matthew, Matthew has the wise men. Did you guys see the chosen Christmas special? Yeah. No. That was really well done and oh. cool how they have it all focused on presenting the information to Luke so he can write down the events. I thought that was really creative and neat. Yep. I need to see that. It was good. All right, so the next major bullet point is it's not about the stuff. Now here we're going to get into differing opinions. yeah that's right daniel thinks it is about the stuff and i don't (laughs) so it says uh there's stuff everywhere it's hard for adults not to get caught up in the consumerism of of christmas how much more of a challenge is it for children we have to work to keep christ central rather than the gifts the decorations and the events yeah goes back to intentionality which is kind of a theme about that's arising out of this episode is how as a christian you really have to be intentional about where your focus is going to be. I have a few other points on here about like how to do that. How do I make mm. it not about the stuff? Mm. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? In my adult life, I guess, or at least in recent years, I definitely have been more and more aware of the fact that I don't know many people who really need anything that I would give them as a gift. Mm -hmm. For one thing, people just, it feels like people don't really have that many material needs. And often when they do, it's like a new dishwasher or something really big. That's not going to be what I'm going to give them for a gift for like 20, $30, Mm -hmm. which definitely makes me think a lot more about trying to come up with something that has more of a purpose than just like, well, I knew I had to give you something. So I, I spent this much money so I could be sure that I'm not a, not letting down my obligation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's more the case. I think, I don't know if it's just a economic change or if it's more of a like mentality change where people just buy stuff that they want instead of waiting for some sort of opportunity to receive it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely think it's a, it's probably, I mean, I'm sure it's a combination, but it's, it's a cultural shift that probably has ties to people being more um, financially stable maybe than mm-hmm. they were in the past. But I definitely see that most people don't wait mm-hmm. until their next birthday or Christmas to get the thing they want. Yeah. I, it may be different for kids and every parent is raising their child differently, but mm-hmm. for people who have their own income and have the option, it just seems like not many people are still going to wait five six months yeah Yeah. instant gratification is certainly a theme of our culture we don't have to wait for anything hardly yeah that's a disturbing reality yeah but that doesn't really provide an answer for how you do it it's just something Mm -hmm. that's been right on my mind when it comes to giving gifts and just feeling like this is so unnecessary you know Mm -hmm. yeah i would rather make something or like Mm -hmm. spend time with that person or do something that's Mm -hmm. more meaningful than just like okay i put in my money Mm -hmm. to the to feed the companies or i don't know you know like yeah not that i'm against the companies but it just seems so pointless i think two maybe practical options that i've thought of as giving experiences or giving 
like baked goods, Riley made caramels, uh, which are like, take like two hours, you know, they're this kind of difficult, unique thing to make. And it's mm -hmm. something people appreciate, but it's not a object that <laughs> now they have to have. Yeah, that's good. What are some of the practical points you had there, Joel? So the first one I had is uh, don't give your kids too much. So it says, as parents, we want the best for our kids, but more doesn't equal best. Mm -hmm. We know that kids who get everything they want are harder to make happy. Decide as parents what an appropriate amount is. I know some parents who give each child three gifts, since that's what Jesus got. I know others who set an appropriate budget of how much to spend on each child. It isn't wise to go into debt for gifts. Mm. So first point, don't give your kids too much. That's good. We talked about that a little bit in the Halloween episode. Yeah, because of uh, all the stuff, all the all the used stuff that's cheap and easy to get. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's not uncommon for people to go into debt buying their kids Christmas. Wow, really? Man. And it's not helpful to your kids. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be happier if you just get them like extra stuff that you can't afford. I'm sure that's hard because as a parent, there is going to be that whole element of they're hearing what the other kids got, and there mm -hmm. can be that feeling of you know ruining their childhood because you gave them bad christmases or something like that yeah mm -hmm. yeah i know olivia had one you know she grew up pretty uh low income uh, especially when she was living with her grandparents and her grandfather was having to go through that chemotherapy so like all their money was going through like to medical bills and, and travel expenses mm -hmm. and uh, there was like one christmas where she got i think mascara and maybe i think one other thing she said that was like small like that Mm -hmm. And to her, it was really difficult, you know, to feel like she didn't really get anything meaningful for Christmas mm -hmm. as a kid. So, How old was she at that time? Um, she must have been 10 or 11 or 12, somewhere in there. Yeah, so not really old enough to be, like, completely mature about it. Right. So there's a balance. There's a balance there of doing something that's meaningful and showing the intentionality, especially to your kids, but mm -hmm. then not just buying into, like, oh, we've got to get them, you know, a million things. It's interesting, too, to see that dynamic in families that have a lot of kids. And so that naturally, unless they're very well off, like that naturally presents a limitation on how much each individual can get, mm -hmm. uh, which I see a little bit with my in-laws, mm -hmm, like right. with my brothers and sisters-in-law, there's somebody's birthday almost every month. Right. And everyone, everyone gets them something, but of course it's gotta be smaller because you just can't be doing these large scale gifts for everybody all yeah. the time because it never stops. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, I mean, there's a lot of evidence that like kids who have to wait for things that they want and have fewer toys, like are a lot happier and they're easier to please. So mm. keeping that in mind, I think it's helpful as parents, you know, that this is actually for their benefit. Um, it's not just about me being responsible with my money. It's about like doing what's best for my kids. And I think even as an adult, if you can limit yourself some and hold off on something that mm. you really want or just would, you know, maybe even feel like you have a, for the sake of convenience, have a mild need for, <laughs> if it's possible to hold off on, on that and make people aware and they can maybe pull together and get it for you or something, I think that mm. is something that would be nice for them too, to know that they're actually doing something that you like and is worthwhile. Yeah. The other two points I had on not not being about the stuff, Christmas not being about the stuff, is to be thankful and then to be generous. Mm. So it says, be thankful. Thankfulness focuses on what we have rather than on what we don't have. It brings contentment and peace and joy. Be vocally thankful and teach your kids to be thankful. And then be generous. Giving and serving are major ways to stay focused at Christmas. Maybe find a way, a place to serve together as a family. Maybe show hospitality to someone in your church who doesn't have a family mm. by inviting them to dinner 
how can you show generosity? That's a great thing uh, about Christmas culturally, the generosity aspect even. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it stems mostly from Christians, but that even goes out into the secular world that people are more generous around Christmas. And that's a great thing. You know, for my work, I do a lot of, because I do video production, there's always end of the year um, videos for end of the year matches Mm -hmm. or whatever. And for so many different organizations, the end of the year around Christmas time is a, a huge time when people are generous. Part of that has to do with taxes, but I think it's also just the the magic and significance of Christmas. There's also lots of opportunities to serve. Mm. Obviously, there's like Operation Christmas Child stuff you can help with. There's Salvation Army. There's often lots of mm-hmm. ministries that are working through the Christmas time. And going as a family to serve with those things, I think, can really help your family stay focused mm. on what matters. That'd be cool. I think that aspect about hospitality is something that I really agree with and want to learn more. I don't think it's something that was a big part of our tradition, really. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when you come from strong, stable families, you know, where even the extended family has good relationships, um, maybe it can be harder to make time or fit in people who are outside of that orbit. But I just really feel for people who don't have that and think that it's such a valuable time that doesn't really cost you much to share it with other people and to try to be a little more open and not too like closed off till this is our special family time. And you can still have those special family, you know, closed off times without having to just not participate in the hospitality aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. If that makes sense. Is that a little ambiguous? I don't I I just think there's a lot of people and especially having spent some time at churches where I was just a single guy with really hardly any connections. And just knowing that there's people who don't really have families, who don't really have much to do in Christmas is just sort of one of those times where they're not really sure what they should be doing. They don't want to mm-hmm. be in people's way. But I think people, ever everyone should have someone to be with on those kind of days. Yeah. I definitely have memories of having some people over on Christmas Day or like sometime around Christmas for dinners and stuff. And I always really enjoy that. Now, I'm like a huge like people person, so I'm like more people the better almost. Um, so some of that's my personality, but I think it's really just good for kids to see others in the church coming in to your family gatherings. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's totally biblical. We can't get into this whole topic, but it's totally biblical that the church family is your primary family. Mm-hmm. And this concept that like, oh, my blood family is who gets this time reserved for. Mm. That is not really the Christian mentality. Like Christian mentality should be um, of who my closest family is, is in the church. And so if there's people who don't have people to be with, like you're saying, Daniel, it's our obligation, I think, to have include them. Even if they do have relations to be with, for a lot of them, that's not going to be as meaningful, as edifying, as uplifting, and in the Christmas spirit as it would be to be with their church family and fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, who can really join with them in a worshipful mindset towards the holiday. Yeah. The last major bullet point is, what about Santa? Um, what about Santa? What about Santa? All right. Um, so if there's if we have any young listeners here, <laughs> good. <laughs> do we actually need to say something? No, we don't need to say anything. I don't think we have any young listeners. Kids, your parents are lying to you. Kids, your parents are lying to you. <laughs> don't listen. 
You can't trust it. They're trying to turn off the podcast now, but I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> don't, don't let them shut us off. Uh, <laughs> Worst disclaimer ever. Okay, so it says uh, similar similar to what I had in the Halloween one, actually, is how it starts, is that there isn't one right answer when it comes to how to handle Santa. Some families are convicted not to involve him at all, while others believe it's harmless and fun. These differing opinions are legitimate, and here's some of our opinions. Did you have to have some kind of, like, concerns over spoilers for this handout? Uh, no. Okay. You mean, like, if the kids see it and they're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. There might be some upset parent. Um, well, I'm not worried about that. (laughs) No. So, you know, we all grew up not believing in Santa. Our parents did not uh, tell us that Santa was real. So that's man. I remember from. what a heartbreak it was when they told us uh, yeah. that we weren't going to believe in Santa. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, don't have the experience of growing mm-hmm. up like having the belief in Santa and then like being able to weigh in from that perspective, unraveling like, the mystery. Yes, my wife does. So, though I could call her in here. <laughs> All right, we're going to get a new friend of the podcast. Hey, is she even here? All right, well, if we get Riley in, we'll... She's, she's not uh, even home. <laughs> I think she went to the farm. Oh. I know a lot of people who have grown up that way, like, feel like they're they're glad about it. Like, it was so fun, and when they found out that Santa wasn't real, they didn't feel like, like their world was crashing down or anything like that. And they're like, oh, it was so, still so fun, so much magic and stuff <laughs> surrounding Santa, so... I think it's good to do or whatever. Uh That's not our experience. Right. So your wife, Paul, you said. Yeah. So uh, they did Santa Claus and I, um, the main thing that I remember is that is how it all came crashing down. And that is one year her mom forgot to give Riley's older brother, Trace, a gift. And uh, so she decided like, well, kind of rough up the package and make it look like it fell off the sleigh, you know, when he was coming up the <laughs> chimney. So she took it outside and was like throwing it around the yard and stuff. And Trace was watching <laughs> from the basement window. <laughs> so then uh, she was like, look what I found outside by the chimney. And then, you know, he put two and two together and promptly told Riley and her younger sister that Santa wasn't real. <laughs> How old was how old was he at the time? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, the younger siblings, you know, they get it uh, usually from the older siblings. Right. That's funny. But I, she had a fairly positive experience with it overall. Don't you think that says something about you know the siblings' desire to keep each other in the know and not just like okay, I'm gonna leave them in the dark because they're my younger sibling. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. I think it does. I think there's something to that now. There may be a, the negative side of that is like wanting to like uh, <laughs> shatter. Yeah. Ha, I'm going to tell you this, um, but I think it's more just natural to want to tell. Yeah. Um, but then on the other end, there's some Christians who are like, you shouldn't have Santa in your house during Christmas. Like that is not good because mm-hmm. it takes away from Jesus and it's the secular icon and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I think we definitely kind of grew up in the middle of those things. Like we did mm-hmm. not feel like that. Yeah. Mom's pretty against Santa. 
Yeah, mom is. Okay, I bought some stamps the other day for her and some of that Santa on it. She was like, well, I don't want to use Santa stamps. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, wow. Well, yeah, I guess I I was not aware of that. But now that you say it, it kind of makes sense. I can. And yeah. I think I'm with her on that, actually. Really? Yeah, I think uh, I feel somewhat negative towards Santa. Oh. For example, I just got some socks on Thursday, some Christmas socks. Not stockings, oh. but Christmas socks at our Thursday Christmas party. And uh, Riley was like, those Christmas socks are kind of cool. She was like, oh, they do have Santa on them. You probably don't want them. I was like, yeah, I probably don't, I don't care about them. Anyway, it's not like a strong thing. It's just I prefer things that have to do with Jesus or even like reindeer or trees or like wintry things. I mean, Father Christmas shows up in Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't read that book anymore. <laughs> <laughs> For that reason. <laughs> For that reason. <laughs> okay, I definitely don't feel anti-Santa and anti-Santa and yeah. Um, I don't feel anti-Santa, but um, I, I mean, I agree that he shouldn't be getting the glory, uh, or you know, he gets the credit for the presents that. Uh, yeah. parents buy you say that now there. but after what? i've come out against him <laughs> i mean no i don't think I, don't, I have no problem with santa imagery i think it's a fun you know it's like any other magical thing it's kind of fun magical creature legends and folklore i think are nice i like uh, i especially mm-hmm. am interested in santas that break the coca-cola mold like mm-hmm. the i remember the stocking i had for grandma Sigler's house it was a like a tall skinny santa mm. and i liked that uh-huh. and then one of the other stockings he was like dressed in blue and then david had that one where he had like a a crown of holly which would kind of hurt but you know and he was like dancing in the snow and he looked like this more kind of hmm, like, pagan deity yeah a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I was gonna, I was thinking kind of like Bacchus, but no, no, not like that. I think he shows up in Narnia too. Bacchus does. <laughs> One of those like wine gods. Yeah. Okay. That's true. I don't remember in the. I don't remember that at all. Prince Caspian, I think, oh. on his donkey drinking wine. Anyway, I mean, I, I, I think there's some charm to the figure, but. Yeah, I'm definitely not into like all the Christmas movies where the greatest possible. Um, virtue is belief and fealty to Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That is a strange thing. So what I had on on the handout is trying to kind of go in between those two extremes. Is first that Santa isn't evil. Uh, so mm. it's, it says, we think that Santa can be included in Christmas activities in a healthy, fun way. He's based off St. Nicholas, who was a Christian who became known for secretly giving gifts to poor and oppressed people. So... I don't know. I would feel I really feel kind of bad for St. Nicholas, you know, up in heaven being like, on the one hand, people are like worshiping me <laughs> in my memory. <laughs> and on the other hand, Christians being like, curse St. Nicholas. <laughs> 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 like, no, he was solid. He was a great, like, <laughs> great Christian guy. <laughs> but that that kind of brings up an interesting thing, which is where, you know, the Catholics venerate a lot of the saints and because of our tradition having turned against all that, we've lost touch a little bit with some of those things that I think would be a worthy and fun mm. annual observance and like thing to remember and come up with other celebrations for, not only for Christmas and Valentine's, I guess would be the other one people know about. But mm-hmm. um, Patrick? St. Patrick's Day. I think, 
yeah, I think it would be nice to have other unique and, and thematic celebrations throughout the year. And especially if we can remember people for their service to Christ, I think that'd be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, Santa is evil. And the next one says deception is unhealthy. Uh, it's not godly to lie to your kids or anyone else for that matter. Even if the lie is fun, we must prioritize building trust with our children. Wow. So you were pretty clear on your stance on it. Not really. Yeah. And I was a little, I was unsure how uh, the children's minister and the nursery director would feel if they felt like that was too strong, but they both felt really good about mm-hmm. it. Wow. So I was like, all right, well, I do too. And um, I always, you know, a lot of Christians say like, well, you shouldn't tell your kids about Santa because once they found out that you lied about Santa, they might think that you lied about Jesus. And I'm like, I don't think that's the reason. I think the reason is because like lying is <laughs> sinful and yeah. building trust with your kids is so important. That's mm-hmm. one of the most mm-hmm. important things as parents is to like provide security and let your kids know that they can trust you. And to me, that's the important, important component. I think that it's, I don't know. I just don't think that it's as personally, I don't think this is as gray as we make it out to be. Um, mm. I really just don't think it's, I don't, I don't see a justification to lie to your kids. So that's me. Taking yeah, my strong but opinion. I think that. I think that phrasing of it is a bit of a straw man, though. I don't think that people are out there thinking my parents, everything my parents tell me must be a lie, therefore. But I do think, (laughs) and this would be helpful to hear from more people who have the background, like Riley, but I do think that having that significant developmental experience of this nice fantasy that I believed in and that everyone said was true wasn't and the real world is actually just cold hard facts Mm. i think that is a formative experience that people can see a parallel with in god and not that they think like therefore my parents are tricking me about god or that someone's tricking me but i think it can easily be seen as all those creatures you know the easter bunny the tooth fairy santa claus all of that is was just something that we is just fairy tales but there's this one that he, that people haven't been able to shake. And maybe it's just because it's like the most unfalsifiable one because it's an all-powerful being that's not exactly in our dimension or, you know, not on the, the physical plane. But basically it's the same coping mechanism mm-hmm. um, that people are looking to to give some structure and purpose to their meaningless lives. Like, mm-hmm. I think there is a very logical parallel to that. And I think people saying like that there's no connection at all i don't agree with that i can understand that it can be harmless and maybe it um, it usually is or almost always is but i think it is a natural parallel to draw mm. yeah that's a good point almost that just like disillusionment the whole like disillusionment mentality yeah i think rather than it being like therefore my parents were lying about it i think it's kind of like therefore my parents or whoever are the people who aren't willing to admit mm-hmm. the truth that there's no Santa Claus mm-hmm. and there's no God, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of, well, and it's the parallel of like, Oh, there's a coming of age in realizing that the stuff mm-hmm. that I believed was just fairy tale. Yes. And like yeah. the mature, like now that I'm grown and mature, I don't need that stuff. You know? Yeah. I think that's, and that's a very strong formative experience for people. I think. Yeah. Okay. I, I agree. Uh, you, you sold me. <laughs> I'm not saying that therefore like no one should. I just think that that I don't think that that potential risk should just be thrown out. Yep. And like dismissed as as silly. Yeah, that's good. I still I mean, I just don't see a justification for lying to your kids. And that's what it is. Like people who are like, well, it's not really lying or well, it's worth it or whatever. It's like, how do you justify that? Like from, yeah. from a Christian perspective. People justify lying all the time though. Yeah. Even Christians, I mean, 
I think people's personal truth telling. Yeah, <laughs> Get with it. <laughs> I guess I'm just behind the times. <laughs> people's personal truth telling ethic varies greatly in the extent that they're willing to lie. Like, mm. it's not a black or white thing. There's a wide array of where people land on that. Even things like... Um, not being completely honest about an upcoming surprise, so that way you're able to... I was just about to ask about that. Like, what do you think about the desire to surprise someone? Me? Uh, no, Paul can keep going. Oh. Not usual. No, I think that's great. I think you're right. The justification... <laughs> not usual! Not usual! Stop! <laughs> uh, sorry, okay. Uh, well... One of you carry on. <laughs> so, yeah, that and then when you talk about truth-telling in general, you get into situations like World War II Germany, hiding Jews. Do you have any Jews in the house? How do you answer mm-hmm. that? You know, you get into those questions about, like, how strictly are you going to... Right. Um, hey, you would lie about Jews being in your house, so tell your kids about Santa. <laughs> 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 there we go. Yeah. Glad we got that solved. No, I hear you. Though, well, I think that's I think that's a different topic for a different time. But yeah. I'm not convinced that I would lie about that. Well, I agree. That is, that. Uh, yeah, that tricky. is too it's much tricky. to cover. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's tricky. I do think so. The argument would be if there's a greater good, right? Then lying can be justifiable. If there's like a higher moral duty or a greater good, then lying can be justifiable. That's the argument. Which again, we're not going to maybe cover that right now. So mm-hmm. then you would have to argue that the greater good of providing mm-hmm. wonder and joy and excitement and fun for your kids mm-hmm. is a, a greater good than being honest about Santa, mm. right? That would have to be the argument. Correct. So well, I think one thing that has to be addressed about that wonder and the fun and, and whimsy of this whole Santa myth is the fact that it does have to end at some point. And is that, I think mm-hmm. it really depends on the age of the kid and the circumstances, and I, we, I guess, need to survey people or get some feedback. But is that never traumatizing or mm. hurtful, hard experience? Is that, I mean, I feel like that's got to yeah. be. Well, and going back to the idea of when you maybe keep things hidden to surprise somebody with a big gift or something, that doesn't have that aspect you're talking about where it has to end or there's like a part where it all comes crashing down. You're able to give them the gift or to surprise them. Yeah, that's so true. That, that is a big difference between those two things. You know, I think the other thing too is we talked about not making it about the gifts and commercialization and all that, but focusing on the meaning. There's so much wonder that you can get from the true story of Jesus' birth. So maybe focusing on the magic and wonder and am- amazement of the fact that God became man. That's good. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Um, when you appeal to those, like the traditions and the joy and the wonder of, of the season, then it's even greater. Yeah. For our Harvest Family Christmas this year, Dad gave a little devotional about just the wonder of Christmas as a child and how, like mm-hmm. as a child, you know, Christmas trees are like, you know, four times your size and just how like amazing everything is. But as Christians, <laughs> there's a greater wonder than even what children experience at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that's what we all have to look forward to is this like unending wonder and, and excitement and joy that God has in store for us. And not it's not something that's less, you know, than what kids experience. It's something that's greater. Amen. Yeah, I definitely feel that with christmas carols and the the meaning behind all those lyrics it's definitely you know something as a kid you don't care about too much but that really like impacts me with the really awesome beauty of christmas yeah 
These last two points I have here about Santa is pretending is fun. So after, you know, saying deception is unhealthy, then I have uh, pretending is Mm. fun. Okay, learn to use one simple word correctly. Pretend. Jesus is pretend. I mean, sorry. (laughs) Santa is pretend. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's the issue, right? No. Um, Use the simple word correctly. Pretend. Santa is pretend. Jesus is not pretend. Kids don't have to be told that Mickey is real to love the magic and fun of Disney. They can enjoy the excitement and fun of Santa without being told that he's real. Imagination is awesome, and it's a wonderful part of childhood. Wait, Mickey's not real? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's add that disclaimer. (laughs) Uh, And then the last one is talk about Jesus all year long. And then in quotes from from one of the articles, uh, if, if the only time a family talks about Jesus is when he's sharing the bill with Santa, Jesus will lose. In quotes, then Jesus must be a central focus of our families all year long, not just around Christmas or at church. Good. So that's how I round out the the section. That's the end of the end of the handout. But I think this concept of why do we have to tell them it's real to enjoy some of that magic and fun, even of Santa, if you're going to include Santa, can't you just pretend? And kids love that. I mean, the excitement of like taking my kids to Disney and then seeing the characters is awesome. And I have never told them that those characters are real, and I'm never going to tell them that those characters are real. It's just mm-hmm. like still. An exciting thing. Mm. But you also don't tell him, oh, that's a man or probably a woman inside of a costume, right? <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that there's definitely a dis- difference in the way the parents tend to treat Mickey Mouse and Santa. I don't see any... he doesn't come to your house. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's, nobody's like, making footprints of Mickey Mouse around their house or, like, like <laughs> acting like it's real. It's something that we all understand is a character and that that's fun. And, um, hey, they're, like, even when we go to the mall, hey, there's Santa is what I told Malachi. And then um, mm-hmm. I can still say, like, you know, if he asked me about it or Santa's, Santa's pretend or whatever. And with Mickey... Don't you think there are some parents who are like, you know, here's the real Mickey. Here he is. This is where he really lives. And we're going to meet him for real. Probably so. And they're sending. That's good. <laughs> I think that's what you're supposed to... I think that's what the parks intend for you to do. It's for it to be the real Mickey. I don't know. Maybe not. I've never heard mm-hmm. of any kids having their, like... You know, fantasy of That's Mickey shattered when they realize that he's not real. Yeah. When, the, when they stood in line for two hours and then it was that one time we're visiting him where they're like, That's not him. So uh, there's something different, obviously, that he's not that like moment of truth. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Anyway, there there we go. That's the handout and um Oh, that was the last point. That was the last point. The last point is about talking about Jesus all year long. What about not giving presents to bad kids? <laughs> uh, that was actually in one of the articles that talked about um, just like don't use Santa to manipulate your children. And uh, I didn't include mm. that in the in my handout, but I, I think that's a great point. You know, people using this like lie to try to mm. manipulate their children to be good. People do that not just with Santa. People lie about things to try to get their kids to do what they want to do. And that I think is just really dangerous as parents. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even for a pragmatic reason that it's not always going to work right when we're teaching our kids to behave it needs to be for the right reasons you know we're not just telling them oh don't you know don't go to the neighbor's yard because you'll get bit by a snake or something that's not true like tell them the real reason like you come back because i'm your parent and you must obey me Mm -hmm. um and so whatever that like manipulation is to like get your kids to behave is not not good good all right any final thoughts anything that we should end on i hope Everyone has a Merry Christmas. Yeah. And last Christmas, Yejin and I were kind of exiled. Uh, we were in between countries and separated from both of our families. Right. And she did a great job of coming up with 
ways to really get into the spirit and feel like we were not missing out on Christmas and having like the full mm. experience of it. And um, so it's really nice if you can plan out to do some activities specifically like for that purpose of getting yourself in the Christmas spirit. Mm. And I would recommend uh, anyone who is so inclined to listen to the entirety of Handel's Messiah during the season, not in one sitting necessarily, or you can have it in the background, but hmm. man, that was very Christmas spirity to me last year. That's cool. Yeah. Again, I just say like we should own the holiday and enjoy celebrating what Jesus has done and really participate in the wonder and the joy and generosity and all that as Christians. Um, not just because it's the Christmassy thing to do, but because of like what Christ has done. Yeah. And if anyone hasn't watched the, new chosen christmas episode that's could be a great thing to do like on christmas eve or something and then of course you should read the story from luke and or matthew merry christmas merry christmas happy holidays oh my gosh <laughs> my professor on thursday said have a happy and holy christmas and i liked that so i'll say that now i hope everyone has a happy and holy christmas Okay, I'll actually stop recording now. That means you're left with me, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Daniel's After Show, where we discuss the <laughs> highs and lows of the podcast. Call it the one. I thought Joel podcast. was really on point this time, but uh, I, I thought it was a bit of a shocker that Paul's as anti-Santa as he as he came out as being. That was a quite a revelation. Uh, and you heard it here first. I, I, his own flesh and blood was not aware of that stance. And uh, we're all growing and adjusting our positions, learning about one another. So, um, yeah, what will we find out next week or next whenever episode? Next episode, tune in, find out.